This is the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Peter Creek, we honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged with this week's message from Pastor Kelly Baldridge. Please take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the New Testament, to the fourth book, to the Gospel of John, to the 19th chapter, to the 25th verse. Today we continue our consideration of the words of our Lord Jesus Christ from the cross, seven total. Today we are on the third. Three are addressed to God, four are spoken to those who are around the cross, and two address the specific need of those who were there. Last week, we considered the first, that there was a thief who had repented, and he needed forgiveness. He needed hope of the resurrection, and the Lord Jesus said to him, today, you will be with me in paradise. And so we have listened from below the cross as Jesus prayed for the forgiveness of the sins of those who persecuted him. We have listened from next to the cross as we hear the Lord Jesus issue words of hope to the penitent thief. But today we listen near the cross we hear the words of the Lord Jesus to his dear mother and his beloved disciple. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the reading of his word. Father, we come before you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and we are dependent upon you. We need your strength, O God, need your mercy upon us so that we may honor you and glorify you in this hour. Help us, O God, in Jesus' name. Hear the word of the Lord. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. This is the word of the Lord. It will take little effort to imagine the scene before us, to imagine the pain and the agony of the Savior upon the cross as he continues to suffer, to imagine the sorrow and the anguish as his dear mother watches as her son is in excruciating pain and she can do nothing to help him as she watches him die before her very eyes. To imagine a disciple, a close friend, broken before 
his bruised and battered teacher. And yet, this is not for a lack of purpose. Jesus continues his ministry, even in these words that are recorded here. He does something amazing that we should not miss. Could you imagine someone enduring this enormous amount of suffering and pain and anguish and yet looks to you not for a word of comfort but to speak to you comfort and help. And so this is what our Savior is like. That in the midst of his trials, in the midst of his suffering, he shows forth compassion. And so as we consider this, let's do so in a few ways. First, I want you to see singing has given way to sorrow. Singing has given way to sorrow. We consider his mother, Mary. You remember how Mary responded to being chosen as the one who would carry the Son of God within her womb? She sang. She sang. She wondered at it all. She wondered at what the angels revealed to her, what the angels told her. She wondered that the Savior would be in her And it brought her joy at the privilege it would be to be the mother of God, the mother of this one, Jesus Christ, who would be the Savior of the world. But it was not long-lasting joy that even as Mary would mother this child and see him raised up in the Lord, it would not be easy for her. Recall what Simeon prophesied in Luke chapter 2. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon told Mary that not only would he be pierced, but her soul would be pierced as well. Oh, this is what you have before you now. Throughout her life, she would experience difficulty. There would be no room for them where? In the end. They would have to flee to Egypt. Why? Because Herod sought to kill the firstborn son, which would have included the Lord Jesus. They would have to be on the run. And now she is experiencing her greatest anguish of soul, watching her son suffer unto death. She would need comforted She would need encouragement. She would need assurance. She would need help. She would need compassion. She sang about it in her song. In Luke 1, 46, her song begins, My soul exalts in the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Mary was not extraordinary. 
Mary was not anything special. She was ordinary like you and I, but God chose her. She was ordinary. In fact, she sings here of needing a savior. She says that I rejoice in God, my savior. She understood what? That she was a sinner in need of a savior. And she gets it. First, from our Lord, what compassion he shows to her, that he looks to her and says, woman, behold your son. Here is one that will take care of you. Here is one that will take you in. Here is one that will minister to your needs. Here is one that will do what I wanted to do, what I wish I could do, what I cannot do, but I am making sure that it is done. Jesus' words here are not simply words to comfort someone at a funeral, but these are active words requiring action as the Lord Jesus tells her that she will be cared for in her bereavement. She will be cared for in her sorrow and in her trials. She would need comforted, and the Lord has comforted her. And so singing gives way to sorrow, but yet there is compassion. But there is also desertion that gives way to restoration. Consider John. Who is John? He calls himself in his gospel the beloved disciple, and we'll consider that in a moment. But he was not only a disciple, he was part of the inner three. Peter and James and John, they were there for the transfiguration of the Lord. In the transfiguration of the Lord, Jesus is seen in all of his glory that not everyone got to see, not everyone got to experience that. Moses and Elijah show up out of the blue, and yet they were there to see it. He was close to the Lord Jesus. He was in a wonderful friendship and relationship with him. Jesus would go into the garden when he would stare into the cup of God's wrath that he would soon drink. And who does he bring with him? James, Peter, and John. And yet, they were tired and they fell asleep. But yet, they were there. The Lord had brought them in. This is who John is. And so we would assume, yes, John, John needs to be there. He would be there at the cross. He is one of the, the inner three. But where was John between the garden betrayal and arrest of our Lord Jesus and this, the cross? In Matthew 26, 56, when Jesus has been betrayed, it ends the, that scene by saying that all the disciples left him and fled. John had deserted his Lord. John had left his Lord to suffer alone. John had denied his Lord with Peter as well. How do we know this? Well, in John 18, he, he tells us, Simon Peter was following Jesus 
And so was another disciple. John would not name himself, for his guilt was great. And he continues, Now that disciple was known to the high priest, and that would have been John. And entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest, but Peter was standing at the door outside, so the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. So John, who was in the inner three, had joined the other disciples to flee away from the Lord Jesus in his hour of suffering. Desertion. Have you denied the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you deserted the Lord in your sin? Have you chosen to sin against God? And have you chosen to go your own way and to do your own thing rather than to stay near to him, to trust him, to cling to him, to hope in him? Desertion. And so John, as he's at the cross next to Mary, he was not only suffering because he was seeing his Lord suffer, but he was a broken man because he had deserted the one before him. He needed restoration. He needed forgiveness. He needed to know the love of the Savior. So the Lord Jesus looks to him and says, Behold your mother. Now, there are some who might take an opportunity to speak here of the beauty of Mary, but this is not the story of Mary in that moment. It is the story of God restoring one of his own. It is the story of Jesus looking to John and saying, John, I know you left, but you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Here, what is nearest to Christ upon the cross that his mother would be taken care of? What is near to his heart, near to the heart of every son, that his mother would be taken care of, that his mother would be fed, that his mother would be clothed, that his mother would have shelter, that his mother would be loved. And Jesus gives John that task because desertion has given way to restoration. Jesus, on the cross, shows compassion and mends the broken heart of his friend. This, perhaps, is why John would call himself the beloved disciple. Not because Jesus loved him more than any other, but John was overwhelmed by the love of the Savior. He loves me. I'm his beloved. And so it is for you, friend. Are you his beloved? Do you know his restoration? 
Do you know how he takes those who have deserted him, those who have sinned against him, those who have done their own thing and gone their own way, and he brings us near to himself, and he calls us to be his, and then he even calls us to serve. And so in Jesus, we see suffering giving way to compassion, These are not words of comfort we mentioned, but words of action. They are not empty, but they are full. And Jesus here, even we see, is continuing to fulfill all righteousness. What is Jesus doing when he says to Mary, woman, behold your son. Oh, he is honoring his father and his mother. He is keeping the fifth commandment. Even upon the cross and his suffering, he shows us an example that even in our suffering, we are to fulfill all of the obligations that the Lord would have us fulfill. That even in our pain, even in our anguish, that even in our trials, even in our darkest moments, that we ought to seek to fulfill God's will for our Lord Jesus Christ in his darkest moment still honored his father and his mother. And so there is an example to us. But then as we close, I want us just to consider the beauty of this, that in this scene, Jesus is teaching us something about the church as well. That when he looks to Mary and says, your son, and he looks to John and says, your mother, I'm sure that John is reminded of what Jesus had once said. There is a time in the life of Mary and his brothers, the Lord Jesus' brothers, that they did not believe him, that they did not believe in him, that they did not trust him, that they did not accept him for who he was. In Matthew 12, we, we know a bit of this. While he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and his brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. They had not come in to listen to him. They had remained outside. In fact, his brothers, at times it seems as if they thought he was crazy. And where are his brothers now? They are not at the cross. It is later, after the resurrection, that they would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But all that to say this, someone said to him, behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. And the Lord Jesus, when he says, woman, behold your son. There are sons who are not not there. But Mary is brought into a spiritual family. This is the bringing into the church. In Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, John would be there. Peter would be preaching. And who else would be there as a witness to those things? Mary, the mother of the Lord. 
she was brought into the church. And in the church, this who was more than likely here a widow, but also one who had lost her firstborn, would have a family that was near to her, that would take care of her. It was not a family of blood. They were not kin by physical characteristics or by physical nature. But they were brought together by a different kind of blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. And this goes to show to us as well that we have a spiritual family that at times will be closer to us than our physical family, that there are brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers in this congregation for us to see to their needs, to care for them, to minister to them, to help one another. God has given each of us this family. But then also, Jesus gives us an example to follow in what he has done for us. We may say things like, would someone show me this kind of compassion? Would someone show me this kind of love in my needs? Would someone help those who are in need? Would someone help this person? This person, I know they need help. Would someone help them? Those are the wrong questions. The question that we ought to be asking is, am I showing love and compassion for others? Am I showing care to those who are in need? And maybe you feel guilty when you hear that. Maybe you feel the struggle of that. We're not to look to see if others are doing this or joining in on this, but we are to do it just as John would do it. But remember who John was the beloved disciple who had deserted the Lord but was restored. And as we share with others, as we care for others, as we love others, as we serve others, we do so as those who know the compassion and love of our Lord for us. Maybe... As we think of this and we consider our own lives and our own struggles and how we get caught up in our own pain and our own suffering and our own trials and our own difficulties, and maybe we think that we have failed. And maybe you're here today and you think that you have failed, that you have failed the Lord, that you have failed to honor God, that you failed to honor your father and your mother, that you have failed to do God's will just as we see for John, failure is not the end. It is not the end. There is restoration. There is grace. There is a merciful Savior who saves to the uttermost. Look to him. Look to Jesus Christ and find your life, and your hope in him. Be restored by his grace. Be restored by what he would have for you to do.
And as we close, we are about to partake in the Lord's table. And one thing that I typically mention is that there are those who would think that they're far from God, far from God's grace. But as you see before you the word, you are not. You are not. There is hope. There is restoration. There is mercy for you. Let's pray. Most gracious Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who died in our place, who gives us great hope and gives us restoration, who gives us mercy and grace. And so help us, O God, to honor you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask this. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If God has used this message to influence you or you would like more information about our church, connect with us on the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Facebook page. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages from Pastor Kelly Baldridge.